seek medical help early. Not just for the mental stuff, but also for the physical stuff. Don't try and be the super soldier. Don't try and go, oh, it's just this. Don't worry about it. Seek medical help early. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Veterans Care Association and Timor Awakening podcast. The Timor Awakening program is an 11-day immersive, holistic and peer-to-peer veterans program based in East Timor that has a singular vision, which is to promote the health and well-being of veterans and veterans' families. Due to the current restrictions from COVID-19, we are running slightly abridged programs on the Gold Coast uh, with the same vision and same aim. We're using these opportunities to sit down with our participants one-on-one and conduct podcast interviews to capture their story and their lessons learned and things that we can all learn from uh, as we as veterans and wounded healers move through our own journey and help others do the same. We're going to be covering a whole range of topics including defence transition, mental health, relationships, veteran suicide, PTSD and post-traumatic growth. Whether you're out and about or listening to this at home or driving in your car, we do trust that you'll learn a lot by listening to our participants. Thank you and enjoy. Alrighty guys, uh, welcome to another episode, it's Michael Albrecht here again, um, sitting down with Paul Milder, Paul Miller, better known as Dusty, and he has just finished TA14, so we're uh, sitting down having a bit of a chinwag on the uh, essentially the last full day after the program, and just basically uh, taking the opportunity to sit down with him and um, collect a bit of his story, because everybody has a unique story, so Dusty, welcome mate. Thank you. Mate, uh, what I'm sort of doing first and foremost with most people is just basically Saying, you know, um, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about your, you know, your military career and where you served and all that kind of cool stuff, we don't have to go into explicit detail. You don't have to talk about anything that you can't talk about in an open forum, but just to give us a bit of an idea of your background. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm an apprentice, joined in 91. I was 16. Right. Um, yeah, 46 class, so go the evens. <laughs> um, yeah, so the first, what, 10 years was pretty quiet. Did all the normal pre Timor exercises and everything else that went along with them. Yep. Um, spend a lot of time with cavalry. Um, a lot of my training was in cavalry once I finished my apprenticeship. Yep. Um, so went over to Interfet yep. in 99 with uh, three Basby. Um Part of that, I did the landing at Suai. Wow. So that was pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Um, pretty, yeah, a lot of things was very much in your face there so yeah yeah, yeah and then um yeah so come out of there and they the lovely people in down in canberra decided to send me or melbourne decided to send me to uh darwin and i went to tukav yep uh while i was there set deck blew up or the second iraq war blew yep. up yep um set deck and my uh my squadron went over um i got left behind it's not always a great feeling. Oh, yes. So I went from being a newly promoted corporal to being the ASM of a squadron <laughs> in two it's weeks. It's a big step up. Yeah, it was a very big step up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so for nearly a whole year I was a corporal running around with a four-man team looking after a whole squadron of vehicles that was still training for war. Um, but the next year I got my troop and we went over. So I did set deck four. Um, set deck four was the memorial one that was the first one we got a vehicle blown up on. Yep. Um, it's also the one that the um, ambassador um, convoy got targeted, but he was saved by a phone call. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, come down to get in his car and 
someone come back and said, oh, sir, there's just a phone for you. So he jumped out of the car, went up, took the phone call. And uh, a bomb blew up in the corner. That would have been where he was at the exact time. The good old thing about varying your routines and all the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't doing it. So at 7.30 at a set time, they were always at this one corner. So at 7.30, the bomb went off. Right. Okay. Well, lucky for the phone call. Yeah. Very lucky for the phone call. But uh, unlucky for a little local boy who was trying to make a living there. So. Oh, he lost his life? Yeah. Oh, sad. Yeah, it was sad. Um, As a group, the set deck got together. I think it was about $1,000 or something for his family. Yep. So it's one of those things that you don't hear much about. Mm. It was a nice, nice touch. It was much as what we could yep. for what happened. Yep. Um, after that, I got um, involved in what was pretty much the, uh, I believe it still is, the longest convoy since World War Two, mili- uh, armoured convoy since World War Two, And we took Aslavs up from Baghdad up to Mosul area. Yep. Where we, um, they were doing training up there with the, so that we had a training team up there yep, looking yep. after some guys. Um, they decided to do that just after the team had got bombarded and rocketed. So they decided to give them some arm and cover as well. Yep, yep. So yeah, so we went up there and had a pleasant time up there. It was a nice drive up. Some, uh, a quiet drive, thankfully. Um, you're happy about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then when we got to... Uh, we had a couple of fun little patrols coming in and out of there. There was one noticeable incident where we um, come came um, through the centre. I can't remember the t- little township that we had to drive through every time we wanted to go to the American base. But we pulled into the um, unloading bays and we were unloading all our vehicle, uh, all our weapon systems... And um, we heard a ruckus of a noise and the Yank patrols was in a tick. So they followed in just behind us. And when we're talking to the crew commanders and all that about what had happened, they'd been on the exact same road we were on. And it was a complicated ambush that they got hit by. Right. So it's the old story you hear from the Vietnam vets when they say they were walking down a track and Americans were following them and... Yeah, Aussies didn't get hit, but the Americans did. Because they're making so much noise. Yeah, <coughs> it's the same story again. We are doing our normal proper drills, patrolling, doing everything we're supposed to do. And, yeah, we drove through an ambush and didn't get touched and the Americans who were five minutes behind us got whacked. So. Okay. Did they have casualties? No. Nah. No, oh, that's good. I, was, I wouldn't be talking so openly uh, yeah, of course. about it if it was a heavy injury. Yep, yep, so, yep. Um, yeah, so that was pretty interesting. Um, another time there, we uh, the, one of the cab boys uh, monster trucked a, a local vehicle because he wouldn't get out of the way. Um, requirement of, of operations. But in doing so, he put the um, transferred rod into the engine and gearbox on the Aslov. So we had to uh, repair that, but the only way we could repair that was to replace basically both items right. and um, our, our great system doesn't have those items already pre-joined mm-hmm. so we had to the only place we could get a second um, crane was from the Americans so 
So we had to A-frame the vehicle back down through that township to the American base. At what point of time we started work, about, so it was about an eight-hour or so trip down there. Mm-hmm. And then we did the repair, which took about 24 hours, a uh, bit of a light sleep, and then eight-hour patrol straight back up again. So, yeah, yeah it was pretty good, about 36-odd odd hours or so without with very minimal sleep. Sounds like one hell of a campaign. Two, two heavy patrols, so, yeah, yep. yeah it, was, it was good. But I enjoyed my time there. Yeah. So what? What? Um. So when did you get back from that trip? I got back in two thousand and four from that trip. Yep. Yep. Um. And then we. What was the next trip? Two thousand and six. I got. I got posted down to second fourteen when they changed them from reserves to full time. Yep. Um. They basically took us a squadron from two cav and sent them down to second fourteen, and then. Um, split them up amongst them all to yep. try to get them all changed over. Yep. So I went back over to Iraq, to southern Iraq. Right. So you had a couple of trips over there. Yeah, in 2006. Yep. And yeah, so I spent that time over there, interesting times. And when did you, how, how long did you stay in, in the army until? Um, I was in the army until 2014. Okay. So I also did a trip to Afghanistan as well as an ANA advisor. So you've been around. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we were the next group in just after the blue on blue on green, the three man blue on green incident. Yep, yep. So wow, okay. So seven are our battle group. So my maps is not the best. How many years is that? In time? Jordan did ninety one and got out in two thousand fourteen. So Twenty four and a half years. Okay, so that's quite a lot. What rank were you when you got out? Uh, Y two. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, oh, so that's a that's quite a long career and. Um, so uh, since that time, so you've been out for six years. That's, uh um, so I tried to do the reserve thing. Yeah. Um, I got told by um, one of the blokes when I was getting out that reserves um, for most full-timers won't work, so don't worry if it doesn't. Why did they say that? Because uh, the, the speed of it's so much slower right? Yeah. than what it is when you're full-time. Yep. You're sort of getting used to that full-time Motion. So when you put your uniform on, you're thinking that full time motion. Yep. It's just not there. So. Gotcha. Okay. And what have you been doing since that time? Um, I was working for a mining company. Um, in oh, I was working for a service company that worked in the mines. So working um up at Moomba and um up Roxby Downs. So they're both places in South Australia. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so are you still. In that sort of industry now? No, no, that's a, another, another story. story. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. So um, I was doing all right when I was working away. Um, but what basically happened was we got a project, and part of that project meant I had to work in the city. Um, I was working five days a week, 12 to 14 hour days in the city. Um, and yeah, I was wearing myself out. Yep. Um, I was hiding. Effectively, I was using work to hide in. Hide from what? Hide from my dreams and things I'd seen. Um, so we uh, one one night I come back from work and I was really tired. I just wanted to have something to eat and go to bed, and I didn't really want to deal with the family issues or anything that night. And the 
uh, better half informed me that we had a school journey to go to. And I, I said to her, I wasn't really up to going, being with people. She said, no, 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 come on, this is part of being a parent, you know, something you need to do and all that. So, so and it was like um, meet the teachers and meet the other yep. parents and all that sort of stuff, start of the year. So I went down, so we went to that. And while we were there, she met up with a friend who they were having uh, talks about other things. So they decided that they wanted to continue that talk afterwards and they were going to go for a coffee. And um, so I just, you can go in her car and I'll just drive home. Um, home's about 15 minutes from the school. Yep. Um, I, uh, I left the school and I was, as I said, I was depressed and I was down. And I started thinking maybe I just need to go away for a while and just, you know, be by myself for a bit. And that started to go into thoughts of being useless, worthless, all that sort of stuff. And then I got to the top of a hill and I remembered at the bottom of the hill there's the roundabout and then there's a massive tree about five, six metres wide. And, uh, yeah, it would have been about 9.30 at night. So I put my foot on the accelerator and uh, decided that I was, why go for a drive, why cause pain for everyone, why not just end it, why be here. Um, so, yeah, so I went through the roundabout. Um, I don't know if there was a car there or not. Had tunnel vision by then. Um, but at some stage, I hit something that woke me up, got me out of it. Um, I swerved, just missed the tree, had a uh, major panic attack there and then um, took myself home, didn't tell anyone what I'd done. On the Thursday I um, went to see my psych, my normal psych appointment and uh, I let her know what I'd done. Uh, she pretty much tried to get me locked up straight away. Um, there was something happening on the Sunday, so I, I made a promise to her that I was going to be safe and all that sort of stuff. And there's the thing that was happening Sunday I really, really wanted to attend to. And so she let me go to that. And then on the Monday I reported into the hospital and I ended up being there for seven and a bit weeks. Um, and whilst I was there, I worked out that I am a workaholic. Um, and I was using that as uh, self-medication. Yep. Um, to hide and to try to drown out all these other things that were going on in my head. So I, um, yeah, so since then I haven't been working. Yep. Um, they put me on a three months not fit for anything. Yep. Um, and then the doctor, my GP, extended that to a 12 months. And that happened, um, as I said, yeah, February this year, so. Pretty recently. Yeah, so um, I'm still in the stage of I don't know what the end of that 12 months stint looks like. 
but there's a fair, well, I'm certain it's not looking like going back to a 14-hour-a-day yep. job. Yep. Doesn't sound like that'd be a, the best, best way forward. No. Well, thanks so much for, you know, as a, I could tell as you were telling that story that that wasn't easy to um, you know, get off your chest and I'm sure we're not the first person you've told it to, but I uh, really appreciate you know, your, your roar and, and vulner- your rawness and vulnerability there. I really appreciate it because no, it's not easy and you know, anyone listening to that will uh, either resonate with themselves or they'll make sure that someone that needs to hear it does. So I really appreciate that. And, uh, and what did you, I guess, have you had the chance to reflect on that and, and sort of... Um, pull it apart and sort of dissect it and figure out um, I have, what's in it. I have had a chance to reflect on it and look at it. And One of the things that shocked me the most about it, and it's shocked um, quite a few people that I've spoken to in the medical petition, is the fact that in five minutes I went from possible, could do, to it's on. This is game day. It's it's going to happen. Yep. Not twenty four hours. Not forty eight hours. You know, I did the assist course when I was in the army. Yep. They always talk about you know there's a, a forty eight hour period where if you just insert yourself at the right time in that forty eight hour period, you could save a life. No, it was a five minute. Mm-hmm. It was five minutes from when I started the bad self talk. Yeah. To when I swerved to miss the tree. And what do you think sort of, I mean, there's lots that you've spoken about already that might be the obvious answer, but what do you think that led up to that point specifically? Was it just the repeated deployments and the workaholicness, um, the hiding? Was it something else as well? Um, oh, there's, oh, there is another, another edge to the blade that sticks deep into my heart. Um, Whilst I was in the army, I also lost a daughter. So she was nine years old, and she um, Sorry, that. she uh, fell from a carousel, one of those ones you have in the um, shopping centres. Yep, yep. Well, they thought she fell, but it turned out that she had an epileptic fit. Um, that epilepsy went from very difficult to control epilepsy to we don't know what it is, but it's not epilepsy. Um, to we still don't know what it is, but it wasn't what we thought it was. Um, but we're certain it's going to be life shortening. Um, and she fought on until she was twelve and a half years old. Well. Wow. Um, and even in the end, um, they didn't know. It was only until they did an autopsy, and even then, it was most probably more of a guess than a. Yep. They've come back and they gave it a name. It's some very long-winded name. Breaks down to the basic word of it is Doctor ABC, is what they called it. But it's some very long-winded name. Um, but the basic way of explaining it is it's Parkinson's in a um, juvenile. Right. And that's what she had. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, mate. That must have been a, an incredibly tough period. So, yeah. So, as a father, that, that hit me hard as well. So, yep. so there's that and there's 
all the normal mm. army stuff that you have fun with. And did that happen in the midst of sort of this high tempo operational time as well? Yeah, that happened just after I come back from my second trip to um, Iraq. So. so there was still Afghanistan after that? And yeah, oh, and, and I also did another trip back to Timor as well. It's really been this, uh, just a kind of a stacking of, of, of events and experiences and high tempo and high intensity periods in your life. Mm-hmm. Just all sort of compounded. Yep. Right. So if was anyone listening to this that you know, can resonate with that, whether it's retrospectively or they're in the throes of it right now, what would you say to them? Um, oh, there's all that. The normal jargon that you get told, you know, light at the end of the tunnel, yep. there's all that sort of stuff. Um, the, the one thing and the one real thing that saved my life is find yourself a shield. I've got a tattoo on my chest just above my heart. It's a Southern Cross and it's got my five kids' names on it. And it's the two things I hold close to my heart. It's my kids and my country. And whilst that's printed on my chest, my heart will beat. And that's a promise I made to myself. Wow. And that's my shield. It's powerful stuff, man. And what else, um, what other types of shields are there out there that you think? Uh, obviously, that's deeply personal and, and special to you. Yep. Um, what other shields out there do you think people might be able to use? You, you need to find something that's personal. Mm. You really do. It needs to be strong. And it needs to be personal. It needs to be... You can't... It, this is not something that you can just say to someone, go down to the store and buy two of these. Yeah. And keep them near you at all times. Mm. It's not something that the GP can just sign you a, a nice little pink slip and go go see the, the quack around the corner and he'll give you something for it. You've got to find something personal. Mm. Find something personal when you're in a good spot. Something that you know you'll always be able to reach for. And, that, and can that be another person? It can be another person. Yep, yep. It can, but when you've got five sec- five minutes... Mm. May not be time. That's right. So that's... Um, yeah, that's, and that's, that's one of the things that's... Like all the... The medicos I keep talking to about this whole thing is about it's the suicide prevention idea of you know well, why didn't you ring me isn't always going to be the answer. Some cases it will, but many times not. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, it's not always going to be the answer. Yeah, it is. It is a answer. Yeah, and by all means, you should reach out to people if you can, but. Need to have something. Yeah. What have you found in terms of, uh, you know, beyond your sort of own internal shield that you've developed there, which is you know, really powerful in terms of people, whether it's colleagues, whether it's other ESOs, whether it's the veterans community, what have you personally found uh, you know, most affected in helping you in your journey, whether it's recently or years and years ago? Um. Well, this is my second TA, um, and I've also done Trojan's Trek, Mm -hmm. um, and I've now done hospitalisation. 
Um, so I've seen both sides of the way that we try to treat these this position. Yeah. Um, and this peer and peer stuff, to me, resonates. It's it's not clinical. You know, it's it's very much with you. It's it's for you. It's not, you know, a nice sign for someone or makes the government look pretty and all that sort of stuff. It's yeah. actually about the veteran mm. or the person that's in trouble. It's not about the doctor that's sitting on the other side of the table or anything else like that. And um, so I... Anything to do, and that's around those sorts of an idea, I found those to be really helpful yep. type peer, of places. Peer-to-peer side of it. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's the peer-to-peer side that, that so many people seem to find really resonates? Um, because any time someone... Sits to me, like just says to me, wake up, get out of it, you know, just don't be an idiot, and all the rest of it. I say to myself, you haven't walked where I walked, mm. you haven't been where I've been, mm. you don't live in my shoes. But when I'm talking with another veteran, then they may not have walked the same journey I've walked, but they've walked a similar journey. Yep, 100%. And it'd be the same with in everything, like. I'm sure if it was like two fireys talking to each other, like they might be from one from Perth and one from Sydney, but they would have similar stories to share, and they'll find that you're not alone, and that's that was one of the big things I pulled out of the first TA was you know you always sit there and you think, oh, I must be silly, I must be crazy. Um, must be just me. Mm, mm. You, know, you see all these adverts on TV and all that sort of stuff, but yep. you still have that feeling. You still have that sensation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there I was. I was 24 years in the Australian Army. You know, I was the Australian soldier. At one silly stage, I used to run 5Ks in 18 minutes. Wow. Now my knees tell me I'm an idiot, but, you know. That's often. You, you get that. You know, I, I played rugby. I was... I was the person people come to to fix problems. I was I was that soldier. I was the person. You know, I didn't have problems. I fixed them. And these are all the things going through my head. You know, so I I couldn't I couldn't reach out for help. Yeah. I tried it once. Um, and that pretty much got me fully removed from the reserves. So I was, went well. No matter how much the talk is, it's still the same system. So, so you reached out for help, and then that that you were sort of. I got I got help. Yeah, I did get help, but you were then sort of flagged as flagged, and yep. then yeah, pretty much moved on very quickly, medically discharged. Yeah, that's not the way to go about, it, is it? No. If there's. Yeah, you deployed a lot. You went overseas a lot of times. Um, you were not only in the army a lot, but you deployed a lot. There are a lot of people out there who actually never deployed. Yeah, never went necessarily anywhere. Um, and I think there's a lot of people in that boat 
that think that they shouldn't reach out for help or that they shouldn't actually have any problems because they didn't have you know a long suite of deployments. What would you your message for someone who's in that boat? Um, everyone's an individual. Um, you're not alone. You don't have to be the super trooper that kicks in people's doors, that, you know, goes and arrests Assam Bin Laden and all that sort of stuff. Every day you put on a uniform, you know, you, you're still... You're going out there, you're still practising, you're still going through everything, you still, you still have that same mindset that we all had... Like, as I said, for the first 10 years, I didn't deploy. Mm. Um, but I, I, I've got stories from that part of my, my army career that are shocking stories. Stories of being hung up from their rafters and being used as a um, punching bag. You know, things like that. It's, it's things they used to do back then. Yeah. You know? But I've got stories. Yeah. You know? As well, from then, it's, you know, if you're hurting, you're hurting. It doesn't matter where your hurts come from, and it doesn't. It's of no concern where it's come from. You know, as I said, I was I was bluebell. I was Ramy. You know, I wasn't kicking down no one's door. So, yeah, it, 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 even if you haven't deployed, it doesn't matter. You still signed that check. Mm. You still signed a blank check to this country, up to and including your life. Yep. And went through all the training and did all the things and yep. went through the crazy, you know, pressure cooker that's situations. That's right. If you, if you mate, if you could go back um, and speak to yourself in that period of time, pre-discharge, pre-getting out, maybe when you're in the throes of all the deployments and so forth. Um, and give yourself a message, what would you say to yourself? Seek, medic. Seek medical help earlier. Yeah. Yep. That would be the biggest thing I'd say if I could go back in time and talk to myself. Yeah. Thanks, man. That's really, really insightful. And uh, I guess, you know, what I wouldn't mind sort of closing is just like, what's next for you now? Like you've been through some programs, you've done some, you know, you, you're, you're climbing your own mountain. What's, what's next on the agenda for yourself? Um, oh, I'm thinking that next on the agenda for me will be something along the lines of reaching out to the veteran community um, in South Australia and getting or looking towards getting some more peer-to-peer stuff happening but inside the groups that are already there. One of the biggest things that shits me is we've got so many EOSs, mm-hmm. ESOs, ESOs. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all fighting for a limited pool of money. Yep. When they could be together, have less overheads, and then be able to do more. You know, so not going out there and developing my own system or getting my own thing going. There's enough of everyone out there. It's just getting it. And tuning it to what it needs to be. You're absolutely right. There are so many ESOs out there, and some of them kind of come and go, and they have a, some of them have a very short half life. And then, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of people with good intentions, but just don't 
doesn't get the reach necessarily. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mate, that's uh, I'm uh, kind of taken aback by some of the stuff you've shared today, mate. Really, really powerful stuff, and um, you know, hugely valuable. I know to anyone who's covered enough ground today. <laughs> All right, Dusty, mate, thank you so much for uh, being real with us and sharing your story. It's uh, very much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Good on you, buddy. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We trust it's been valuable. If you've got any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us at support at veteranscare.com.au. And we do encourage you to share this podcast with anyone you feel really needs to hear it. And keep a lookout for our next episode. Thank you.